Hello, I'm Tim Robinson, Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace, and with me today is Deputy Editor Steve Bridgewater, and we're coming to you uh, live, or almost live, from Singapore for a very special episode of Aerospace NOTAM, uh, covering the Singapore Air Show 2024. Uh, it's now uh, the Friday on the, uh, the, the, uh, the week of the show, and uh, we're here with a, a roundup of all the news, uh, all the exciting stuff that's been going on, and our thoughts on the show. Um, We've had a pretty exciting week here, Singapore. What's been your highlights? Me? Gosh. Um, sustainability, China, they seem to be the two buzzwords this week. Uh, big presence from China here, both uh, militarily and uh, from their commercial aircraft uh, wing as well. And a huge amount of um, EV tolls and um, UAV type craft that um, I think is the biggest presence outside China that uh, I can remember. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that and combined with almost I think every press release, every press conference has been sustainability, sustainability, sustainability from the very start, wasn't it? Even with the the preview. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 there's been a strong push uh, from uh, China Chinese aerospace. If you've been reading on our blog, uh, but here the, the international debut of the C919, not just in the uh, on the static line in the flying display as well. That's pretty significant. ARJ, two ARJ, ARJs on the static line, a Chinese attack helicopter as well, you know, their equivalent of the, the Apache Z10E, uh, they're bristling with weapons and sensors and what have you. Uh, that was a real sort of like, you know, a big, big sort of statement, a message, uh, a push there that we are here on the international stage and uh, we've arrived in the, uh, you know, the global aerospace uh, world. Um, yeah, really good. So. Other, other stuff in the, I mean, and the other thing with the, the C919 is it was it was the it was the first um, you know, Comet was the first one to announce orders. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, not that many orders this week if you no, compare no. it to Paris and Farnborough and some of the other events. But that, I mean, that's traditionally Singapore. But yeah, at Comac, the first out of the blo out of blocks on on their Tuesday morning with an order for. Uh, 40, yeah, was it, um, 40, 40 C19 yeah, for yeah. Tibet Airlines, um, so, but it's their new version, it's the plateau version. Yeah, it? so it's the high altitude uh, version, uh, obviously designed for uh, you know places like uh, Tibet, and uh, they also in, in, uh, got a, a, a 10 of the ARJ ones. again, the plateau version, you know, kind of a high altitude one, a little bit shorter uh, and uh, you know, optimised for there. So, so Tibet Airlines are the, the launch customer for that. Um, and then they, there's, there's a uh, Henan Civil Aviation Department, uh, an investment group, and they bought six ARJ-21. So this is, um, but for a kind of multi-role, multi-mission uh, kind of role. So, um, you know, you, you, it's kind of an outdated design. What is it, you know, MD-AT, right, you sort of, sort Yeah, of say, you, you could cynically say, yeah, it's, uh, it's MD-AT-esque, but... but, but um, what, what's, what's interesting here is that Comac have been, been trying to uh, push it in a number of different roles. So on the stand, they've got... Uh, uh, you know, medical evacuation, firefighting, bizjet, cargo. There was a cargo one on yeah. static. Command and control post. Command and control. You know, r rescue and, and, and things like that. So I think they, I think they probably acknowledge uh, that it's not cutting edge technology. And, and you know, unlike the C919, where they're aiming for EASA certification, the ARJ21 is not certified yeah. by the FAA or EASA, and I think highly unlikely to be so. So. Um, yeah, looking at other ways to use that airframe within China's own circle of influence. Yeah. So, um, what were the other highlights then from, from in terms of airline orders? Airline orders, Thai Airlines. Yeah. Um, so Boeing weren't here. No. Um, in terms of they didn't have any physical aeroplanes, they did have a booth. 
and they have their whisk uh, eVTOL and uh, various other exhibits. But, but just, to, um, just to clarify, though, that, that's, uh, that's in, in terms of commercial aeroplanes because in, there was a lot of Boeing heavy metal in, in, in terms indeed, of... Indeed, yeah, but yeah. From, from a commercial yeah. point of view, there, there, it was, uh, um, the, the whisk was the, uh, the highlight on the stand there. But they were also one of the first to actually come out with an order as well, so 49 Dreamliners for yeah. Thai Airlines. Um, we had then, obviously Airbus came back with um, an order for 20 Airbus A330neos for Vietjet and also an order for Starlux. They had uh, three A330neos and five of the new A350 freighters, which seems to be getting more and more popular. Yeah, so, so, so Airbus have been, uh, I was at a briefing about cargo uh, for, with Airbus and uh, you know they're, they're very optimistic about uh, the A350, I think it's about uh, a freighter version, still in development, um, and how it's it's creeping into the market. They, they reckon they've got 50%, around 50% in, the, in, this, in this class of heavy freighter for the A350. Uh, payload has gone up to 111 tonnes now, a couple of tonnes, squeeze an extra couple of tonnes out of it. Uh, so they've got great hopes for it. Starlux, um, airline was from Taiwan that was formed in the pandemic, you know, and is still around. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know they're going to and so they'll be the first uh, sort of Taiwanese uh, carrier. And interestingly, uh, you know the the uh, you know the CEO there at the press conference was talking about how the Taiwanese you know IT uh, and computer industry is driving freight. You know you think of all things like you know, Nvidia shop, uh, share price going up and uh, how AI is 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 uh, is driving all these. All the you know kind of uh, you know well you know high end graphics cards that do all this processing, uh, and they are you know Starlux have got their eye on this. Is we, we need more you know we know I need to get into cargo, uh, and this is going to help us meet demand. Uh, the other thing interesting thing there was was, was Vietjet. Uh, so Vietjet low cost carrier, uh, they don't go long haul. Uh, they they do fly out to uh, I think the west coast of Australia with some leased a three hundred, but they they've now plumped. For 20 Airbus uh, A330neos, and they're now looking at expansions to uh, Europe, UK, yeah. and even America. Fantastic. Long haul, low, low cost, yeah. And the other airline order was for the um, national airline of the Maldives, Maldivian. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, 280R42s. I think I'm right in saying they've got five already. This is an additional two added on to their fleet. So, yeah, good from, um, from an airline point of view. You mentioned Boeing in the military, uh, Static Park, um, the Apache on display. Uh, yep. Interested to compare the Apache with the Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there were two Apaches, wasn't there? Was a uh... well, yeah. There was uh, the the um, United States Army version of the Boeing, and then also, I mean, Singapore. The Singaporean Defence Forces, um, particularly their uh, their Air Force, have really gone to town yeah. supporting the show. Fifty fifth anniversary this year of the uh, Singaporean Air Force, and what a show they put on, both in the air and on the ground. I mean, the the flying display started each day with a joint display by an Apache. And an F-15, and I think the F-15 pilot must have used up the world supply of flares <laughs> during this week. It's, it's just been pumping out flares left, right, and centre. Really impressive display. Well, I, I was on the ground on the uh, between running between press conferences on uh, one of the days, and uh, just as the F-15 made, made its debut, uh, and the crowd—I think don't think the crowd were expecting it. There was a lot. Of, it was the it was the, it was the first day when uh, obviously young, a lot of young people were yeah. in, a lot of extra visitors, and everyone's watching the skies. And all of a sudden, this thing comes out, you know, kind of pulls vertical, and then goes, uh, you know, uh, flares, flares punching out all over the place, and everyone just went, uh, you know. Uh, so that was <laughs> uh, what a way to grab young yeah, people's attention. Yeah. I mean, 
But, I mean, you, if you looked around the, the static park, I mean, Singapore, they've got two F-16s, they've got an F-15. Uh, there was the um, um, it was a 335 helicopter, the new Chinook, which they CH-47F they've had recently, a lot of UAVs. And it's interesting that all the fighter aircraft have got the cockpits open, they were welcoming people to come and look inside. Kids, particularly Thursday, as you said, yeah. was um, sort of the, uh, the, the day that lots of college students were in. And what a great way for inspiring them. Really, really good outreach, I think, is yeah. uh, the message there. So in terms of the other, dis well, we're on the, the, the theme of display flying teams, it had a really strong international presence, didn't it? It was, you know, Jupiter, the Black Eagles from Korea, Sarang from India, Roulettes. Yeah, they, they're claiming it's the uh, the most display teams they've had at Singapore yeah. Air Show. Um, so, um, yeah, I was particularly impressed with Jupiter. I thought Jupiter was yeah. very good. So Indonesian team, yeah. uh, flying the PC-9, really, really, really good. Um, but it, Black Eagles, yeah. South Korean team, stole the show again, as they did at Farnborough, what, two years, as Fairford, sorry, two years ago. Um, that aeroplane just is made for display flying. It, you know, it, it's manoeuvrable, it's noisy. And I think the Black Eagles just seem to fly different style to all the other teams. And, yeah. you know, you're used to a display team very gracefully sliding into formation. I'm doing this with my hands, sorry, it's not good on a podcast, is it? But Imagine you know, this at <laughs> home. Imagine this at home, folks. Um, <laughs> Whereas the Koreans, it's almost like there's a boot full of rudder goes in and they kick into formation. It's really energetic, and dynamic flying. So I was I was watching this out of the, the corner of my eye for the, the preview day and uh, from inside inside a, 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 the, one of the exhibition halls, but on the uh, kind of like a, on the top. And uh, even then, it looked it looked close enough that I could I could get a, a decent shot <laughs> from inside a building of how close they were. Yeah, uh, which was really good. I mean, the, the one that the, the the things that stood out to me was the sheer enthusiasm of the commentators. So yeah. the the Jupiter display team, uh, well, shout out to, to the, uh, the the display commentator there and the Sarang. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Likewise, the, the girl who's commentating for yeah, yeah. Sarang, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And again, it's nice to see a display team made up of helicopters. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it used to be quite popular back in the eighties, if you think about it. You know, the, with the grasshoppers from uh, the Netherlands and. Yeah, we'd have the blue blue eagles with the helicopters in the UK, but yeah, Sarang really put a good display and very very close flying. Yeah, and uh, making up the four ship uh, four teams with the Australians. The yes, yeah. we've not got Bella with us, but we've got our dose of Australians thanks to the roulettes. Definitely. Um, and what else? Uh, sorry, the, well, the other thing, obviously, the display, uh, which was unusual this year, is uh, A350 flying in the display with SAF. Yeah, flying on a 33% or I think 36% blend of SAF. Yeah. So, um, so I think first time an airliner is displaying yes. in public um, using sustainable aviation fuel. So I, I can I can see that I can see that becoming a, a, a trend, and now people going, you know. Uh, uh, you know, air shows of the future. Yeah. We're, we're doing this 100, percent you know, as to um, uh, you know, or 100 percent or different blends of you know. Here's here's a way of promoting it. Yeah. Get it front and center, um, and and get the get the message across. Um, you know, and you you only need, you know, for an air show, you only need sort of small quantities. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah. yeah. So what, what in terms of debuts here at the show? So um, I'm I'm, I'm one of the things we, it was revealed here was a, a new UAV from Elbit Systems, uh, and that was the Hermes 650 Spark, which is kind of like a tactical-sized UAV. Uh, and uh, if you're familiar with the the, the Hermes uh, sort of like you know sort of family, uh, traditionally sort of like you know uh, pusher configuration, bulbous nose with a satcom. Um, looks exactly like a you know watchkeeper is 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 uh, is, uh, is basically the Hermes four fifty. Um, this is slightly different. This is, to me looked like um, somebody had taken sort of a Cessna, 
and uh, just chopped the cockpit off, uh, lowered the lowered the wing, and. Uh, painted it grey and away you go. Uh, it's got an overpowered engine, um, loiter time of 24 hours, um, and they say they say it's sort of like you know optimized for uh, you know low low cost uh, rugged um, you know rugged operations, uh, but no weapons with it. Mm. Uh, now you, at the, at the show you know every air show where you see uh, armed UAVs and UAVs dropping other UAVs or dropping other UAVs which have got weapons on. Um, it's kind of, kind of an interesting um, sort of reveal there as to so you've got ISR pay, payload you know uh, there's a, a maritime patrol uh, payload SIGINT mm. uh, and then there was also a life, a life raft dropping yeah. version which is like okay this is uh, so uh, there was a there is a customer that they are working on uh, and it's one of those things where we can't reveal who the customer is but um, uh, interestingly, how it's been optimized and and marketed. Uh, oh, and also the other thing that it's got is it's got built-in predictive maintenance. There's some element of predictive maintenance in it. So, so again, that's helping the the low operating costs. Um, and the other thing, obviously, uh, the big big well, not big thing from the show, but seaplanes. We seem to be bumping into more and more seaplanes everywhere. Amphibious Renaissance yeah. we had in the magazine yeah, what yeah. issue before last, and uh, yeah, um, I mean the. Two that stuck out, I think the, probably the star of the show for many people, was the winging ground effect, the airfish, the brilliantly named airfish. Uh, this was two-seater, proof of concept, GA version, um, but they actually signed a deal this week to, with a customer for eight, uh, sorry, ten of the eight-seat versions, um, which I think is the, um, the airfish eight. Um, so, winging ground effect, is it an aeroplane? Is it a boat? Well, this is being certified under maritime rules. Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, for those that don't know, wing and ground effect or a wig skims over the water very, very low, almost in, like, almost in an air cushion. Um, but unlike a, ho a hovercraft, it, it relies on the forward motion for that uh, that um, that element of lift. Uh, so interesting to see that, um, particularly here in Asia Pacific, as we, as we said in um, Jack Richardson's article in the magazine last issue. Uh, Huge potential in in Asia Pacific for seaplanes, you know, lots of island hopping, things like that. Um, and um, I think uh, the other one that uh, that jumped out to me was a, um, a company called Mallard Enterprises, which don't actually have an exhibit here. They've not started to build their aircraft yet. It's still a paper project. Um, but their Mallard MV1, uh, sorry, MV1, is um, a really interesting interesting thing. Yeah, Com all composite, twin turboprop, twin boom. Passenger aeroplane, but they're also in, in envisaging this as a multi-purpose vehicle. So there be a um, firefighting version, casivac version, and also and yeah, yeah, even special supporting special missions with the big rear cargo door on it. Um, right. Okay. And so, they're, they're going to be making that out of what used to be Naval Air Station in New Brunswick. In so, so let me say, get this straight. It's a twin boom, twin turboprop uh, seaplane. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw in a Disney reference here. Have they based it on on the the uh, the plane that blew the bear flies from Disney's Tailspin? It does look <laughs> quite similar. <laughs> so we've got, we've got it here first. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and the other one that, that that's uh, you know uh, you brought to mind as well, uh, Indonesian N two one nine amphibian. So yeah. that's a utility aircraft from Indonesia, and they're building a, an amphibian version. Uh, they've got the floats there. Uh, and they're, they're looking at again Indonesia islands, connecting the islands and things like that. And the, the point that was that, that you know and stuck in my mind when when, when talking to them was they said, uh, uh, you know, a seaplane base is only twenty percent the price of a, an airport. Wow. 
Yeah. That's so, so if you want to, if you want low cost regional connectivity uh, and somewhere in in, in uh, a country like Indonesia or, or Pacific or anywhere, you know, seaplanes uh, really really uh, good option. Um, so yeah, other other weird and wonderful things we, we found. I mean, we uh, we had a, a lot of fun, didn't we, this week looking at a, a coaxial drone and trying to work out are these are they are they rockets or or, um, or, or what? Yeah, this was from another Chinese company, United Aircraft Group, who are based in Beijing. And um, this thing is a very shark-like body, even got fins down the side of it, like a shark. Uh, coaxial um, helicopter UAV, quite large, a couple of metres long, but hanging underneath the wings are what look like rocket launchers. And um, a little bit of research on this, spoke to the guys. They do do a firefighting version already that has set... Uh, what they call air exploding fire bombs underneath it so uh, co2 um, eventually like big balloons that you would drop off um to extinguish a fire this version that's on display is the next variant of this and it actually has co2 rockets so the theory behind this is if you have a skyscraper on fire you would fly up alongside the windows and fire one of the co2 rockets through the window into the burning room to extinguish <laughs> extinguish the flames with uh, you know with with an inert gas um but so many um, uses for something like this. I think it's uh, definitely a multi a multi role vehicle. Um, but certainly, probably, I think more than anything, this stood out as uh, one of the wow moments for me this week. Well, I mean, there was there was similar stuff there that uh, that, that I found from the uh, there was a, a company here, a US startup, uh, Exo Velar, uh, who had a, a concept for a, for a personal jetpack. Uh, so uh, m- many. Uh, Many listeners might be familiar with the uh, gravity industries and and uh, you know holding a holding four small jet engines and and, and that sort of thing. Well, uh, this sort of builds on that and uh, but moves the the jet to the kind of lower body and there's kind of an exoskeleton there that, that keeps it. But uh, what they were what they're looking at is is uh, making it very very autonomous, easy to fly, and also keeping hand for hands free. So one uh, on their stand, one of the things there was somebody doing welding uh, with it, you know. And I was looking at this and thinking, well, what's the what's the use case here? Because uh, obviously flight time's not going to be very very long. But this they were they, they were saying that they uh, they, they, they had an idea perhaps from uh, underway uh, maritime maintenance. <laughs> so uh, you know you, you didn't want to stop the ship. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you could you could get it done, in, and somebody could come over the side with a, with a, with a jetpack. Um, yeah. Um, but the the, the, the even more um, uh, more such a futuristic thing there was uh, a, like a, a, a pod from two thousand and one. They haven't got a name for it yet. <laughs> they said, "Oh, well, don't call it the pod." But um, that's all you can you know around sphere uh, and uh, two thousand one or the film Oblivion. Uh, think of that. And that's like a, a sort of like a passenger pod for for scale to fit one or f- one to three people, uh, autonomous or whether six micro jet engines. Uh, and it's it, it, you know if you saw one of those things flying, you, you would be thinking, oh, um, right, aliens have landed. Yeah, UAP. Um, I, 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 I better surrender now. Yeah. <laughs> so you were saying about autonomous. One of the other things that um, caught my attention was the German Autogyro uh, manufacturer Tensor. Um, we're familiar with their T660, that's been around at various events over the last few years, but they had a concept on their stand for the turboprop-powered T840. Now this is much, much bigger. Uh, in fact, it's got a useful cargo payload of 500 kilos. It's been designed around three 
um, standard Euro pallets, nose opening. Yeah. Um, so you've got a, a, a turboprop powered auto gyro here, which they're working on a, an autonomous cargo version. So again, you can think all sorts of, um, particularly from a military point of view, sorts of applications for something like that. That's um, that really caught my eye as well. And, and there was a there was a Chinese one uh, as well that was uh, like kind of a, a lift and a cruise, uh, um, and it wasn't it wasn't a model. It was it was the, the full scale scale thing. Uh, it was in in the halls. Uh, there was that in that black one. And yeah. it, it had got flashing red lights on the nose, yes. like Night Rider's kit, hadn't it? Yeah. So that, uh, yeah. Really impressive. Um, I guess talking. Chinese and um, UAVs. Talk about Ehang. Yeah. Uh, I, I went to the um, the China Singapore Bilateral Aviation Forum on Thursday, and uh, Ehang were there. The absolutely uh, Ehang eVTOL manufacturer from China, first in the world to get certified, albeit only in China. And um, they came out with a, an interesting prediction where they they are predicting that by 2030 which is just over six years ago in the future, they reckon that the UAV market worldwide will be worth a trillion dollars. And by 2040, so in 16 years time, nine trillion dollars. Um, and they are primed, they say, to, to go after this in, in a big, big way. So they're now looking at getting their EHANG, their 216 vehicle certified overseas um, and trying to take their share of, of this market. Wow, that's, that's that's pretty bullish numbers. So yeah. I went to uh, I was also I was also at the uh, the Aero Forum. So the, uh, the thing with the air shows is there are sort of parallel sessions going on. There's there's forums, there's conferences you can kind of dip in and dip in and out out of, and you can go and kind of learn really interesting stuff. And there's one there on, on operating models of uh, uh, you know the, of, of uh, EV tools, advanced air mobility. Uh, interesting stuff there from from Bristow who said we we already operate things from UAVs to you know, single, uh, you know, A-star helicopters to an S-92. This is nothing new for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, uh, uh, an EV toll is just one more tool for our, you know, customers who are interested in this sort of light logistics and, you know, uh, last mile, well, middle mile logistics, really, that, that kind of thing. Okay. So, um, but then there was an, uh, another uh, speaker there from a uh, Indian company, uh, Hunch, Hunch uh, Mobility, uh, they already do air taxi, or they've already got into air taxi series with uh, I think Fly Blade, who are doing it with helicopters, conventional mm-hmm. helicopters, and, and uh, they're trying to build up this sort of, uh, you know, kind of customer demand um, of you know, people who fly over, you know, um, uh, traffic in somewhere, you know, somewhere the urban urban uh, sort of centres in India, you know, traffic's terrible. You fly over it, you get there, you get used to it, yeah. and then the, 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 the important thing is to create that stickiness to, uh, you, you've got, you, you got used to it on a helicopter, and now it's, it's an EV tool. Again, this, 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 uh, this chap was very, very uh, optimistic about the market. Mm-hmm. He thought it would be as disruptive as smartphones. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, so. I spent some time on uh, Tuesday morning with uh, Jian Shin, who's the uh, CEO of Supernal, yeah. obviously part of the Hyundai Motor Group. And um, as part of, whenever I speak to these senior execs from eVTOL and UAM companies, I always ask the same question Which countries do you think will be early adopters of this technology? And he, I'm going to read this word for word because uh, it's, it's best said it in uh, Mr. Shin's own words. He said, I've coined a term, the most developed country syndrome, which I think sums this up. 
Because if you look at the UK and the turmoil involved in getting an extra runway at Heathrow, you have to go through applications and community discussions and lots of rigmarole. However, the upside of this is that regulation and acceptance lead to a safer, more viable product. So for that reason, I think the country that will be the first to adopt the UK, the, adopt EV tolls on a successful basis will be the UK and the USA. Mm-hmm. So he said, we won't be first. Then, you know, there will be other countries which adopt it first, but those that actually make it stick, in his opinion, will be the US and the UK. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So I mean, one of the, one of the things that, 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 again uh, one of the things of, of uh, Singapore this show is um, it's a very very high tech nation uh, very kind of embracing the future smart cities um, uh, that kind of thing and you know urban as well an island state uh, and yet um, we didn't really so you know we didn't apart from the Eve mock up uh, from Embraer's Eve we didn't have any um, full scale. Uh, EV toll vehicles here in mock-up form or in prototype form. There's nothing flying. Not like in in, in Paris where we had the uh, 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 helicopter, or in Dubai where auto flight were there. Yeah. So um, there's an interesting. I think there's an interesting. There's a paradox here. I was, I was chatting with a volocopter at the EV toll Insights uh, uh, event. Uh, they've uh, they put their uh, plans to roll out air taxi services. Uh, or trials in in uh, in Singapore on hold, uh, but they haven't they haven't given it up. They're just focusing on on certification, okay. focus on Europe. Um, so the, the, it's a question of um, uh, when, not if. Um, but interesting, the wider question and, and and something that I think that we've noticed, Steve, is that uh, everything works so well in here. Oh yeah. Uh, in terms of the in terms of the public transport, in terms of the traffic density. Uh, so obviously, apart from um, Apart from certain situations where you're in an air show and uh, 50,000 people are trying to get off the site at one one particular one one go, yeah. um, the traffic there are there's that level of traffic jams that you get in uh, London, Dubai, you know Rio de Janeiro, um, elsewhere where. That is a, a huge driver yeah. of wanting want people. How do I, how do I how do we escape this two dimension? I go to the third dimension. Yeah. So, um, so perhaps there's not the use case. Well, for it. Uh, on the other hand, you know, also uh, Singapore is very rules based. It's very uh, you know interested in, 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 in rules and regulations. Some of the maybe uh, some of the maybe risk assessments or, mm-hmm. or the the fact you might have to um, you know uh, take not say so take take loads of risks because they are designed to fit into existing. Um, Infrastructure designed to be as safe as possible, but there are you are pioneering that new yeah. uh, that new sector. Um, so, kind of an interesting kind of paradox there. I think mm. in some ways is that you, on the surface you would think, oh, you know, Singapore will be a perfect place, but maybe maybe yeah. it will be on the, the second order, you know, going forward, and maybe they'll they'll wait to see what else happens. You know, mm. um, so yes, we covered everything. Well, sustainability. I mean, sustainability. So, I mean, we gosh. Uh, so, the sustainability was a was a big priority. Uh, we've we've had uh, Singapore is the and I didn't know this before I came here. World's biggest uh, SAF facility. Yep. 
uh, here. Uh, so they're scaling stuff up. Uh, but what was what was really interesting, uh, and also chatting to uh, somebody on my table at the Aerospace Media Awards on on Tuesday night uh, about sort of sort of airlines, is that uh, it's very much driven the take up of uh, SAF and sustainable initiatives by by airlines is very much driven by industry, mm -hmm. not governments, as in the case to uh, in, in kind of Europe or the US, you know, and whether you whether you sit on the carrot end or the the stick end of the stick, there is that top down pressure coming in in in, in the US and uh, Europe uh, to, to kind of drive drive this. Um, so. Uh, there was an interesting, very interesting presentation from Airbus uh, talking about sort of decarbonisation and what was needed. Uh, was there's a huge untapped potential for the for Asia Pacific to produce SAF, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it at the moment is just wasted. Yeah. Um, and they could supply could, could supply the majority was SAF by 2050, but um, what is needed is common regu uh, SAF regulatory framework in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. uh, so governments there need to sort of like uh, coordinate, uh, collaborate, get on there, and, and, and kind of work out a kind of a framework. Uh, you know, industry is, is desperate, airlines are desperate. You know, can can we have more? Can we have this? Can we get it into into? Can we accelerate? Can we scale it up? Uh, and what what is actually needed is some kind of top level. Uh, you know, kind of push an agreement uh, to kind of accelerate it. Well, there was talk this week from the Singaporean government, wasn't there, on having yeah. a, a passenger levy yes. pay for SAF. Yeah. Uh, and there was some supposition that uh, for a, a flight between Singapore and London, it would probably add between five and fifteen pounds per sector. Do you think people would pay five to fifteen pounds per sector more? I think probably yeah. yes. I don't think I don't think that's going to be I don't think it's going to deal breaker for, no. for 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 many people. Yeah, uh, but, that, you know. but that's for a five percent SAF. Yeah. So then, yeah, in, this will increase in increments through to twenty thirty. Yeah. Um, but interesting that this is looking the uh, Singaporean government looking at this now as the uh, putting a levy on passengers to, to pay for it to, to force this in. Yeah, uh, and also. Um, um, I mean, what the, the thing on uh, the call my eye this week. Uh, I mean, static line. There were some, some interesting things on the static line. Royal uh, Malaysian Air Force SU thirty thirty MK uh, MK MKM uh, yeah. and uh, Honda Jet. Yeah, Thai Gripen. Thai Gripen. Yeah, yeah. I, Honda Jet was interesting. Um, I think I've said before on the podcast. I started writing twenty odd years ago when we were at the the peak of the very light jet boom, where everybody was going to get their sub million dollar personal. Uh, private jet um, and a few of those made it into market the Honda jet being one of them and uh, here we are 20 years later in fact 20 years to the to the year that uh, the Honda jet first flew it doesn't doesn't feel it doesn't it still feels like a, a new jet doesn't it, does, it? Doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah I think because it's so different yeah in fact it's got those engines mounted vertically yeah, yeah. on top of the wings yeah, rather than hanging underneath it I mean it always was a very stylish aeroplane uh, but they're now looking at growing that and actually making it into a bigger aircraft so it will no longer be a VLJ more of a sort of medium light jet um, but I thought it was interesting just how many business jets we had here at the show from Gulfstream, Bombardier, Embraer, got the Praetor here. I think that's a, a sort of an indicative of the market here in Asia Pacific. Yeah, and, and Dassault was obviously de uh, debuting its Falcon 6S. Falcon 6, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's an aeroplane which was getting a lot of attention every time I walked past the stand. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of business, but no general aviation. Um, I know we've been uh, due to have the black shape here and unfortunately that, that met an instant on the way across so I didn't uh, make it to the show but um, 
I'm guessing there's not a huge GA market here in Singapore. There are a couple of flying clubs and flying schools I saw having exhibits in the uh, in the main uh, hangar, and uh, it seems very much as though it tends to be off-duty Singapore airline pilots flying rather than people flying for recreational purposes. Yeah. So, and, and the other the other thing that was was here as well, we, we talked about a little bit about the uh, conferences, the parallel sessions. Uh, you were at one of them as well. We had the President, uh, Chris Khan, speaking, uh, gave a speech on, on future flight innovation, but also um, there was future fighters air dominance. I mean, that, that was a rare thing to get, uh, was it, uh, US British, uh, yeah. So it was um, um, European viewpoints on. Yeah, so Airbus Defence were there, Lockheed Martin, uh, BE Systems, and then the US Experimental Fworks, um, and all saying the same message that we need to have interoperability between these aircraft. Um, so yeah, whether it is Scaffold, GCAP, uh, FCAS, NGAD, all the alphabet soup you can cut up with, the it was pushed that we really need to have interoperability. Um, so yeah, that was a really interesting conference actually, and, and Carissa Khan, our president, um, spoke on urban air mobility, gave a keynote speech, uh, which went down very well actually, um, giving some use cases of some of the research that's been undertaken in the UK on urban air mobility. Fantastic. Uh, what else have we done? We went to the Aerospace Journalist of the Year Awards, we Aerospace did. Media Awards. Um, not that we were up for any awards, because um, this was the Aerospace Media Awards Asia. Yes. Um, but um, it, you know, it was refreshing to see so many young journalists in the room, um, and um, the young lady who won the uh, the new journalist of the year, very impressive uh, CV, uh, had worked for the New Straits Times here in Singapore, gone out to um, Kazakhstan for a while and been a journalist out there, and was now back in uh, Singapore. So writing for national newspaper, but she was actually not just their aerospace correspondent. She was actually interested in aeroplanes, which, as we know, is a rare thing to find a, a qualified journalist who's actually knowledgeable on the subject as well. So, um, yeah, I think okay, she's definitely one to watch in the future. Definitely, yeah. Um, so the other thing, I suppose, I suppose a, a kind of uh, um, you know, kind of a bigger questions there is um, we talked about at the start. Um, no Boeing there, but China coming in now. Uh, can can uh, you know? Can can the CU one nine one nine? Can it kind of break in? Do you think? What, what's your feeling about this? Do you think that they've they've got the 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 support, the marketing, the? You've got to remember that a lot of the C nine one nine is made above Western components anyway. Um, so I think there is an element of reliability built into that. Um, but I think the unproven aspect here is the the after sale service. What's going to happen? If your aeroplane goes tech somewhere down route, are you going to be able to get the spares for it? Are you going to get the servicing? Um, I know that the ARJ21 hasn't had a terribly successful reliability no. record. Uh, it remains to be seen what C919 is like. Um, it's too new to say. But um, uh, the fact they're pushing for ER certification, they've said that that's on their agenda. I think that bodes well. Um, but from an American point of view, I think, as a general rule, Chinese products don't have a good reputation. You know, it's, it's almost a bit of a cliche, isn't it, that you know, your, your plastic Chinese toys fall apart in three minutes. Is the average passenger going to see beyond that Chinese stigma? 
Um, well, I mean, they are they are kind of uh, there is a uh, electric vehicle company that is is now making inroads into uh, Tesla uh, now. Uh, so and, and it's, it's a commoditized industry. Uh, you know, they they're using the same suppliers as uh, as everybody else. You know, yeah. your uh, for for the uh, the nine one nine. So the, the question is is yeah you know have you got that support have you got that marketing have you got the the kind of soft aspects rather than the uh, the hard aspects of uh, well you know um, you're using the same same kind of uh, you know flight deck uh, glass cockpit as, as as everybody else so what what does that matter yeah I think it's the intangibles but I, I think I think this show really is China putting down a marker saying. Uh, you know we're here, and also maybe a little bit away is is uh, we we you know we've, especially with Boeing in trouble is yeah. we're we're here we're ready yeah, and the clock is ticking. Do you think they just need one big breakthrough order? Well, so big breakthrough orders uh, we've 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 spoken about it before. Obviously, uh, you know Tibet Airlines that's not the breakthrough order, but uh, looking around the world and uh, with our speculative hats on, uh, we you know. Um, there is Cafe Pacific yeah. there, which is a you know established mainline carrier. Uh, carrier. Um, it is uh, you know Hong Kong, uh, and it is one of the, the top you know airlines in the world. <coughs> and if you are if you are looking at that and saying, well, you know, who might uh, be persuaded? Who might want to be yeah. the, the first to, to, to jump in? Uh, you know that may well be an option. I mean, it was interesting a few years ago before. Uh, before, um, uh, well, before, uh, before before COVID, uh, but before I think before even before the, the C nine one nine was flying, um, there was uh, um, both Michael O'Leary and Willie Walsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willie Walsh, when he was in in, in, in ahead of British Airways, who were both talking about C nine one nine, and they were sort of saying uh, their shows, oh well, we we might be considering it, and and. Yeah. And and at the time, obviously, everyone said, to me, "Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a little bit of uh, that's a little bit of putting putting uh, pressure on 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 Airbus and and, and Boeing to lower their <laughs> to lower their prices." You know, as to you, there's somebody else is coming new in. But I think the the, the again the, the top level thing is um, what happens what happens to Boeing, and you need you need somebody else to fill the vacuum. It's not just Boeing. I mean, you know, the, the, there's such a waiting list for Airbus aircraft yeah. at the moment. If you want an aeroplane quickly, do you look elsewhere rather than waiting until 2030 well, to get your A321? Well, uh, this uh, this came out in the Vietjet uh, order for A330 uh, Neos because they, they, they were asked, well, why don't you go for the A350? And the, the reason is you've got a longer waiting list. Yeah. They want to get that capacity straight away. Yeah. So people are now people on airlines are now looking for. I can't get airline A that I really want. You know, maybe maybe I can't get airline airline A that I really want, but I can get airline airline B quicker. Yeah, I'll I'll go for that. Yeah. Um, so that again is is maybe that's something that could play into China's favour. Something like that, looking at there, going looking at the backlogs mm-hmm. and going. Uh, you need one airline to take a punt on it, don't you? Really, yeah. it's. Um, be that breakthrough order like Eastern Airlines. Indeed. Yeah. 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 So potentially the end of the duopoly. Yeah. Um, the so, triopoly. The triopoly. The triopoly. <laughs> the triopoly. Um, yeah. So I think we've we've we've, we've just about covered uh, most of the highlights. I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff we haven't uh, we haven't talked about uh, there. Oh, and the other thing is obviously uh, while we're here, we, we met up with our our local branch. 
So the Singapore branch, uh, we must mention them. Uh, yep. So we have a new uh, branch uh, president, Paul Ashcroft. Uh, he's going to be revitalising the local branch. It's a very strong branch with good academic uh, membership and uh, connections. Uh, if you are, you know, if you are in the region or you're passing through the region, do get in, in touch with uh, Paul, and uh, it's going to be one to watch in, in the future. So I'm going to be in, in, enjoy coming back in the next, uh, and coming back in two years' time and seeing what the branch is doing there as well. Uh, we do have a global network. Uh, the Hong Kong, that's one of the Hong Kong branch was here as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, find out where find out where your your local RES branch is and uh, and get involved. Right, I think that's about it. So yeah, that's it from me. Yeah. So any any questions as ever, any questions, feedback, uh, viewpoints, uh, do send us up. And as a reminder, we're now on uh, so we're on SoundCloud, we're now on Spotify and iTunes. Fantastic. And right. that's goodbye from us. Take care, and we will see you for the normal No Time podcast in about a week or so. Goodbye. Bye.